Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spaith. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. All right, you ready to pray? Let's do it. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. I pray that you be with Cole and I, that we will present this, uh, the message with, uh, present the, the word with, a, with, an op with, a, with an ability, Father, and a clarity so that people can understand. I pray, Father, that you be with the people that watch this, this video, that they will, you, you'll touch them with a, with a contrite and open heart, with a soil in their heart that will be receptive to the seed of the word. Father, I pray your blessings upon each one of them in whatever circumstances they find themselves in. And Father, if it's, uh, if, if it's need be, and you can use us, Father, we pray that you'll use us in their lives in other ways than just this. Thank you for the opportunity, and thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so just to recap, um, we've got, we're in Numbers chapter 11, right. because mm -hmm. we've we've come so far um we're in numbers well, chapter you know, 11 <laughs> sometimes sometimes it bothers me it worries me that we're that we spend too much time on stuff but you know evidently people enjoy listening that you know our views evidently are going up and so i mean that i mean that means that they're they're getting something out of this and you know i go, always go back to romans chapter 15 everything was written in the past written for learning that's right so yeah. we got to figure out what is it is it that we can learn from this stuff that's right can, is there anything I can learn from when it seems obscure and really disconnected from me? Well, and these and these are the books I would say that between Leviticus and Numbers, you're right. You know, you have some of the biggest difficulties of getting through the first five books of the Bible. Well, what it seems like a a disconnect. Mm -hmm. What it seems like, yeah, and it's from and it's normal not. life today. And so, again, part of the problem here is that we are in the 21st century, we have certain boxes and mm -hmm. we want literature. We want the things that we're reading. If we read at all nowadays to fit into certain boxes. And that's not what this is. This was written thousands of years ago mm -hmm. to, this has been translated. So it was written thousands of years ago in a totally different language to cultures that don't even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So to, to, and that means that they had their own boxes mm -hmm. of look with the ways mm -hmm. of looking at things. And so, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people look at things, try to pull out the messages that were in originally intended for the ancient Hebrews. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you see how those boxes connect to us today, yeah. because this is still relevant for us today. This was written with the intent that later generations would be able to read these stories and get something out of it. But because we're thousands of years removed, it's really difficult sometimes. And then the things that we hyper-focus on are not the things that we should. And I'll give you an example of that. 
Um, one of the things that I've been talking about with people a lot is, is Genesis and the first couple of chapters of Genesis and how we should read those. And what you'll get a lot of people say is, well, the earth was created in six days, six literal days, because God says it, right? Day one, day two, day three, God created the earth in six days. Okay. That's a very, that's a hyper literal read of what's going on in Genesis. I'm not saying he didn't create it in six days. I'm just pointing out that that might not be what God's trying to communicate there. Mm -hmm. And we can tell. The reason we can tell is this. Okay. So what is a day? It's a 24 hour period in which the earth revolves, right? The earth is going around the sun and the earth is spinning on its axis. And while the earth spins on its axis, that's, that whole revolution is a day. It's 24 hours. Okay. God didn't create the sun, the moon, or the stars until the fourth day. <laughs> I, I knew as soon as you said it where you were going to go. <laughs> so yeah. what is going on here? Yeah. Now, it can't be a day. I, I, now, it could, it right? Could. God, called, God called the, he separated the light from the darkness. We have no idea what that was because there's no sun yet. But he separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and he called the dark night. And usually when I offer this pushback, someone will go, well, but... The difference between the light and the dark, that's a day. Right. But how long is that? Yeah. When you're coming to the text with a hyperliteral focus, you are you are forcing the text to say something that it doesn't explicitly say. And I think I think And and hold on, it's it's a problem. It's a pro only a problem for us in the 21st century because we're trying to use Genesis to refute evolution. We're trying to use Genesis to assert young earth creationism. We're trying see, we're taking Genesis and we're putting it in our 21st century boxes, and that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. It is. It you is. don't do that. Now, peace. I'm not saying that God didn't create the earth in six days. I'm not saying that the earth is or is not six thousand years old. That's not the point of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I want to help people understand, and I want to understand first what this text meant to the ancient Hebrew, and to the what, ancient and Egyptian, what can I learn from it? to the ancient Babylonian. Because when I understand their boxes first, I can understand what God is trying to communicate. Yeah. And then I can apply it to my life yeah. today. And so it's the same thing here in Numbers. There is a design pattern to the first five books of the Bible that runs all throughout. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want people to grab onto. The story is this. God is doing everything he can to save mankind. He has selected these people to do it the family of Abraham. He's brought them back to a place of relationship with them. And now we're watching them fail their obligations. He's given them the law. Mm -hmm. He's told them, this is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. And now we're watching them fail. And we're going to watch them fail over and over and over again. It's not just going to be one group, small little group of people over here. It's going to be the entire people. It's going to be the entire priests. It's going to be the entire leadership. They're all going to fail. And right when it crescendos and you think... God is done. He's going to wipe these people off the face of the earth. He doesn't. And that's the story. That's yeah. what's going on here. Yeah. And it's awesome because our God is good. Yeah. And it, and it's, uh, uh, it reaffirms and reassures that we're still dealing with the same God. Absolutely. And, and, and when you deal with the church, which is now his family, he's dealing with his family here. That's right. He's dealing with the, his called out family. He called them. Yes. He's the one that appointed them to be a family. He's the one that adopted them. He's the one that took them in. Not because they were good. No. no. <laughs> but he called it. When he called Abraham and said, I'm going to make of you a great nation, yeah. he said, I'm going to make you a great my nation. It's going to be my people. And uh, and he promised them that. He promised the gospel to Abraham. He told him. He said, he said through your seed, all nations are going to be blessed. Not just you, not just your family, not just your seed line, but everybody. everybody. That means you, me, everybody. 
And so that's very instrumental to me. I mean, that's very significant to me. And it's it should be instrumental in how we approach this from not from what's going on there, but what does it mean t today? What kind of God am I dealing with? Am I dealing with a God who looks at the church the same way that he looked at the nation of Israel? Yes. We're looking at a, at a God who blessed Israel and is going to bless the church the same way. He just, it's, it's a different dynamic because it's still the same family. We're, Galatians chapter 3 says, if you've been baptized into Christ, we're all one. We're, we, we clothe ourselves with Christ. And, it's, and that last verse there says, and, and we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That means he has adopted us. Chapter 4 in Galatians says he adopts us. He takes us from here and puts us to here. And we look at this and say, okay, okay, here's some stuff. Not gonna, most of this stuff is not going to apply to us at all. I mean, he's dealing with 70 elders. He's dealing with uh, the, the thing that he's looking at and saying, I can't deal with these people. I'm struggling here. I'm one man. Why, if you, this is what you want to do, why don't you just kill me now and get it over with? Yeah. Why do I got to go through this? Hey, and I, can me, I can relate to that. I mean, it reminds me of Elijah, too. But, you know, I can relate to that, Cole. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've gotten to places where I said, God, I said, I understand what the job is. And I understand. I, I mean, it's a joyful job. But it's almost too much for me. I don't know how to deal with it, you know, because because I'm struggling here. And to know what he said, God said, "Okay, go get some help. Go get some help." That's what he tells you. Go get some help and bring them. Bring you know, and I'll help you with this. And he does that. He does. So why don't we start reading this? Yeah, let's get what, into it. Verse why twenty. You, yeah, verse, why don't you go and start twenty four? So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with them. And he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Edad and Medab had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. And he said, but Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put spirits on all of them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. It looks like these guys rebelled against God. It's what it looks like. They rebelled against God and they decided... I'm done going out there. I'm done, you know, and and I have I, I struggle with this text because I'm not sure exactly what happened here. I'm not sure exactly what it's saying to me and what it's saying in that time. What it looks like to me is is that God said bring them before me, and He did, and two of them decided no. And yet they got the blessing anyway. And yet they got the blessing anyway, you know. But isn't that exactly how God works? Yeah. I mean, we don't deserve blessing. But we, it was disrespectful. Seems to me it was disrespectful. From course. my perspective, it seems disrespectful. Of course. You know, and but it doesn't seem any less disrespectful than everything else they've been doing. Yeah. You've got three sons, right? Yeah. You've talked about before how each one of your sons got an inheritance from you. Mm -hmm. Got some land, some property. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. They ever disrespectful to you? Oh, yeah, lots of times. Are they still disrespectful to you? Uh... <laughs> Sometimes? No. You know, they're, they're opinionated. Opinionated, right. Yeah, yeah. they're disrespectful. We'll call I got it that. It. Yeah, yeah, we'll call I got it. it. I won't say disrespectful. Yeah, okay, because, yeah. I, because, you know, we have, a, we have a great relationship. I'm not going to say... Did, but, you, you know, did you take their property? No. Why'd you give it to them? 
because they're my sons and I love them and I wanted them to have, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to divide it up equal and, and it just so happened in our family. It, it worked perfect. It was right. perfect. There was no, everybody knows exactly what's, what's so coming. So you're a father with three sons who are disrespectful sometimes, sometimes they're obedient, sometimes they're not, but you're going to bless them anyway, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, they're your sons mm -hmm. and you want to bless them mm -hmm. and it's your choice. And that's God. We are God's children. Mm -hmm. We don't deserve blessing from him. We don't deserve any of it. I mean, think about what, what, um, what is, uh, I can't remember which book Paul says it in, but he points out, he says that, uh, God was not, maybe it was Romans. God was not left without witness. He gave them rain and he gave them harvest. And he gave, he gave all these people, these wicked nations who followed other gods and other idols. He gave them all of these things. He, mm -hmm. he, God still gave them rain and harvest and seed time and planting. He still blessed them with life. They're still breathing. The fact that any of us are still breathing is a blessing from God. And none of us are deserving of it. So God blesses people even in the face of our failures and our iniquities and our sin and all of our things. God said, I'm going to bless the elders <laughs> of Israel. Mm -hmm. Two of them decided to get uppity. They got blessed anyway. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. And that's really the message of numbers. The message of numbers is the people of Israel are going to continue to, to do fail their obligations to God. And God is going to continue to bless them. I think I think it goes along on that vein. It goes along with God says the rain falls on the just and the unjust at the same time. You know, God blesses people because of his people. And sometimes people that are not worthy get blessed anyway. Why do you think the United States is still a country today? Do you think it's do you think it's a country because you know we're such a great nation? We've killed 70 million children. Yeah. Now the children that survived that butchering are getting mutilated by supposed doctors who were there to supposed help supposedly help them who've taken an oath. <laughs> do no harm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, as they chop off the breasts of of young confused women. You know it's disgusting. We're a disgusting, appalling nation. If you think we're some great nation, yeah. you're out of your mind. Yeah. These people the in this nation are 98% of the pornography gets generated by our country and distributed yeah. by our country. Yeah. When the Middle East looks at us and says they're the great Satan, I I can't really disagree. We just they just put a movie out, a Barbie movie, and most of most of the nation of the Middle East have banned it from their countries. Won't let it won't let it be played in their country. You know, I mean, if if a bunch of people from the Stone Age can figure it out, what's wrong with us? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. But no, we but we want to pat ourselves on the back. Oh, slavery is abolished, Dan. Did you know that? We yeah. well, we're such great people, we've abolished slavery. Oh, except, you know, there are these people running around in our country right now who want to complain about racism and they want to complain about all the silly rate all the supposed racism that's going on in this country. No, no, no. That's 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 small potato stuff. Okay, that's small potato, and people go, oh my gosh, how can you say that? I tell you why, because our country is one of the biggest supporters of ongoing slavery today because of our trade with China. Yeah. That's real slavery going on over there, and we, I'm using an iPad for goodness sake. Yeah. Yeah. How corrupt are we as a nation? Mm -hmm. And why hasn't God trampled us yet? Because the church is still here. Yeah. I, that's I'm convinced. That's my that's my and now it's my opinion. I remember back when when I first became a Christian, and I was big into when's God's coming back, you know. And and the guy that studied with me, Dwayne Wheeler, was a very very kind, very calm, and 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 he said, uh, you know, and we talk, I was talking about you know Jesus coming back, and man, he needs to come back. It's horrible. It's out there and so evil and wicked. And he said, I said, what do you think? And he said, I think God's going to come back when the church gets painted into a corner. And it's no longer effective. I went, huh. Okay. Judgment starts first with the church. 
Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think you're right. I think I think uh, as long as as we can accomplish the things that need to be accomplished, as long as as this country will allow that to happen. But I think it's fast getting to the point where they're trying. You know, we talked about a while ago. There's there's a, there's talking heads out there that have an agenda, and one of their agendas is they want to remove the moral the morals of Christian morals from from the society. God is not confused. It doesn't matter. You're never going to be re- going to restrain human wickedness with an economic system. Okay, yeah. communism is fa- fails. Capitalism fails at this. They all they all fail. Now, I would say I would I would if I had to say which one has done has done the best it can do. Well, I'm I'm tempted to say capitalism because I live in a capitalist society, but it's a capitalist society that has killed 70 million children. Yeah. How many millions of Jews were killed in the Holocaust? How many millions of people were killed in the pogroms of Stalin and Lenin? You know, how many millions of people were killed in the pogroms of Mao? You know, and we understand that that's communism and national socialism, and now capitalism has killed 70 million children. Genghis Khan killed killed literally so, thousands and thousands of people. So, you know, maybe we need to get off our high horse in this nation for for half a second. And people get all upset and angry about that. The people, and, and oftentimes it's elderly folks who get upset about it, but this is what I would say. The nation and the country that your fathers, that my grandfather died to defend, my uncle. it's no longer this nation. Yeah, my It's uncle. no longer this yeah. nation. We're talking about a totally different beast. And it's not just our nation, it's all the nations. You know, when Daniel was sitting there looking at these these beasts coming out of the water, notice they were all horrible beasts, Mm -hmm. and they're all human government. This is what human government does, because human (laughs) government, while it's supposed to be a tool, it's supposed to be ruling for God, instead rules for the enemy. And so... What what's the story of humanity? The story of humanity, and it's we're seeing a microcosm of it here in numbers, right? The story of humanity is this: we are continually failing. We are continually failing. We are continually falling flat on our face. There is no amount of law that will restrain us, and yet God continues to bless us. Yeah. Now that does not mean people people <laughs> hear that may be tempted to say, well, then so what does that mean? We just keep sinning and that's fine. No, well, that's Paul, what, Paul that's dealt what Romans six says. Yeah. yeah. What shall we do? Shall we? What shall we say? So, shall we continue in grace that grace may or shall we continue in sin, sin that grace, so that grace may, may increase? May it never be right. So that's not the response of the church. That would, so they had the same mindset that we have today, in, in a certain sense. And, well, yeah, because we're and, all people. And, you know, and this whole problem was is we're sick and tired of eating what we're eating. We want some meat. Yeah, to eat. God, we we don't want what you're going to give us. We and, want and he it. gives them a delicacy. Because have you ever ate quail? Yeah, it's good. It, it quail's good. I don't like dove, but I like quail. So quail. the the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, in my opinion. Well, you know, look at what he says. Now, when we're in verse thirty-one, now wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep. Well, well hold on, hold on. Before let's let's differentiate. So the first problem. That okay. God dealt with was the the main the impetus for this is this problem here the yeah. people rebelling yeah. mm-hmm. Moses being a leader of the people says God I can't handle this so God says okay that's a problem so we've got rebellion in the camp and we've got exhausted burned out leadership and yeah. so God took care of God answered the the plea of his servant I need help I can't do this alone just kill me if you're gonna okay so I'm gonna solve that problem first we're going to put my spirit on more people not just you. So you are not the only one. So now you've got 70 elders over Israel who are in a leadership position like you. But we're even seeing rebellion there with these two people who don't want to go. Now we're dealing with the second problem. The second problem is these people who are rebelling against, excuse me, rebelling against God. And remember, this is not just a simple, you know, God, 
Could could we have something else? No, please? it wasn't. That's, that's not, not what it is. No, it's not. We're tempted to see it from that perspective, yeah. or I because, am anyway. Because it says the rabble with them. Yeah. And back up in verse four, it says the rabble with them. This was a this was a concerted effort, a group. Absolutely. That were that were they were seething over. You know, maybe they had some connection to Egypt or something. They're seething over this, they, and so they're starting yeah. problems. They they are rebelling. They're rebelling, and they're leading and, others in rebellion. And what happens when people rebel? Other people, weak, weak-willed, weak-minded people will follow them. That's right. That's what you see today. Yep. You know, you get somebody out there on the media saying something, and and they'll, it's almost like the Pied Piper leading people with the flute, and they, here they go, and they'll fall right in line and march lockstep, man. Why do you think Hitler was so powerful? People walked and just lined up with him. It didn't make any difference that his, that his philosophy was garbage. No. Didn't matter. They just lined up with him. That's the same thing's happening here. These people rebelled as a group, and now God's fixed that problem, fixed out his problem, and he's fixing to fix the problem that he says the problem. It's not a problem. It's not about the meat. It's not about the meat. It's, it's about a heart. They got a heart problem. And guys, you know, we see it in the church all the time. It's not about this issue or that issue or somebody don't like this song or they don't like that. This is not about the song. It's not about, you know, whether we whether we did this at communion or we did this at a meal. Or It's not about that. It's a heart problem. It really is. It always has been. And no amount of law is going to fix it. No. You know, Adam and Eve, it's not about I want that fruit. It's a heart problem. I want to be like God. And this is the promise of the new covenant. Yeah. Ezekiel says, Jeremiah says, mm-hmm. Jeremiah says, you know, I'm going to put the law, uh, the I'm going to put the law in their heart and in their mouth. I'm going to put it there. Ezekiel gets real explicit with this. He says, he goes, I'm going to take out your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Your heart, yeah. I'm going to give you a new spirit. Then I'm going to put my spirit in you. Yeah. That's what Ezekiel, I love the way Ezekiel says yeah. it, because then I'm going to put my spirit in yeah. you. And that's what we have. I had, I had a, a, a brother reach out to me the other day and say, you know, at, in Luke chapter seven, Jesus says, the least in the kingdom of heaven is going to be greater than John the Baptist. And his question was, how could that possibly be? And I said, oh man, welcome to the new covenant because we have the spirit of God. We are his temple. It's no longer a building. It's it's the people. The people are the temple of God. We have the spirit of God dwelling in us. We've been freed from sin. None of this was but true you know, before. You know, Cole, how many people don't understand that that are in the church? I don't I don't care where they worship here or wherever. They don't understand that. I, I I go through that almost I'm a, on a monthly basis. I go through it. I just did it the other day. I did it again last night. Yeah. I said, do you understand who you are? Mm. You understand that every time God built a facility, he cleaned it before he moved in. Every single time. Tabernacle, he cleaned it, then moved in. Ta- the temple, cleaned it, then moved in. You, when he created you, he cleaned you and then moved in. That's what the Spirit, I said it yesterday morning in class. You know, that people need to understand, and we've had this idea that, you know, we're not going to touch the Holy Spirit, we're not going to touch any of that, but that's the essence of the whole thing. It's it's the essence of all of it. That doesn't mean that we need to rush off. We does You know, I envision a pendulum, right? And when it, with the Holy Spirit is up here, the pendulum is right here, and we've swung that pendulum all the way over here to no. And we did that because we don't like some other groups that swing that pendulum way over here. So... Just because we're saying this, just because we believe in the indwelling of the Spirit, just because we believe that the Spirit is active today in His church, just because we believe all this, and I believe that's very biblical, doesn't mean that we have to take that 
pendulum and swing it all the way over here and that we're that we're way over here like you know bethel church or something out in california where we think you know there are now new apostles and new prophets and new all these things that that's not what we're saying we're trying to be biblical about it and say look the spirit of god is central to the new covenant and it's not okay to cut him out Mm -hmm. he is part of the godhead he is literally god in us yeah yeah and you know, and it's sad that people have that have a mistaken understanding of that. Idios, you know, when God puts his puts his spirit on these guys, these guys start prophesying. But he's given them a strength and a power. It's not just about the miraculous here. It's about the the guidance. This is about a a, a clarity of thought, and and gives them a guidance. You know that, you know, we talked about in. And I want to I want to read this. In, sure. In, in, Where are you going? We're going to Second Timothy, you know, and he. Uh, we read. We're in chapter chapter two. Uh, let me see where it's at. He says in verse nine, "He has saved us and called us to a holy life, and and not because of anything we have done." but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And he said, and then he goes on, he says, of this gospel, I was, but I, you know. What, what that, book were you in? Second huh? Timothy chapter chapter one. Oh, chapter one. Okay. Yeah, okay, chapter okay. one. And, and, he, and he says, you know, that this grace that was given to me, you know, we've been given a, an unmerited favor, an unmerit, a gift that I do not deserve, Moses got a gift he didn't deserve. He got called to be the leader of the Israelite nation. The Israelite nation got a gift they didn't deserve. Abraham was promised the gospel. It says in Galatians chapter three that he was he was the gospel was revealed to him beforehand. The gospel is the saving message of God. That's what it is. From beginning to end, it's the saving message of God. Well, and this is what predestination is. Predestination is not about picking and choosing people to go to heaven. No. It's not about picking and choosing the elect. Predestination is exactly what he says here. Yeah. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before, before the beginning of time. It was predestined. It was predestined. It, God's God's plan. That's that's predestination. And, and, and we talked about when we when I did that text, we talked about the beginning of time. I said, you understand that before God created anything, it was already planned. It was already, it was already done. Planned. It was already done. Yeah. It says in Hebrews, said all God's work was done. He did everything. It was done. When on the seventh day it was done, he rested. He was he's finished. There's no more work to do. It's already done. You know, Jesus goes to the cross, but in God's mind, it's already done. It's already it's done. done. And and when he when he says in Hebrews 11 that 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 only together with us could be they be made perfect, he's talking about these people. These people can't be made perfect unless we exist as a church. Not because we're special, but because God is special. Because He chose to call us out of a of a hedonistic, you know, God awful society and bless us and put us in in his family that's amazing to me it's amazing it's and then awesome. to, and then to look at him you know he's gonna he's gonna bring these quite look he's gonna he said it says uh he scattered them all up to two, two cubits deep all around the camp as far as the days walking in any direction that's a long ways this is back in numbers yeah we're back in numbers now yeah and all that day and night and all the next day the people went out and gathered quail no one gathered less than two homers then they spread them out all around the around the camp but while the meal was still yeah you ever hunted quail? Yeah. You know what they do? I was out the other day and I was doing something and I was out by my shop and my shop, my house 
is on a corner, and there's, and there's big field, big pasture on both sides. And one of them, the, that my fence line, it goes for a mile all the way to the Coral Highway. All right, so from the Coral Highway to, to my fence line is a mile, and all it is is pasture and wilderness. And uh, and I'm th- and I know the sound of quail. Okay, they make a distinct sound when they fly up as a covey of quail. And I and I haven't seen quail at my house in a long time. And I heard that sound, and I looked up, and there's about 15 of them, a flock of them, taking off. You know what happens when they hit the ground? Do you understand what they do when they hit the ground? Yeah, they run. They start running. Mm-hmm. If if you see them hit the ground right there, they're going to end up 50 feet over there before they stop. You know. And it says these they 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 bring, what did they do? How did they work? Did they keep them from running everywhere? These things are running everywhere. They're flying and get you know. And I'm saying, what a, I would have loved to have seen this sight. Mm. Just to see what that looked like. Were these? Were did God make these quail like to say, okay, here I am. You're gonna eat me now. You know, just let them sit there, you know, because that's not normal. I know normal quail, and they don't act like this. And he said, and he said, uh, but while uh, no one gathered less than two homers, then they spread them out all over the camp. And I guess they were killing them as they went. I guess. And as it, but while the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth, I don't know how to say that. Hataba. Hataba. Because there they buried the people who had craved other food. From Kibroth, Hataba, the people traveled to Hezroth and stayed there. So, and notice, notice again, the plague. So this is... This is part of the design pattern. This is part of the linking. This is linking back to Exodus. What did they want to well, do? They wanted to go back to Exodus. Did, did we not? Did we not go over here? And uh, did did we not have a a problem in the camp when they sent out? Didn't they send out the spies already? No, they haven't. They haven't done, have done them yet. You know, I mean that that uh, that is uh, God's promised that He's going to take care of these people. He takes He He's promised that he's going to save a remnant. He's promised them. He promised to Abraham. And we know from the book of Hebrews, when God swears an oath and makes a promise, he cannot lie. He cannot go back on it. He's made a promise. And he's promised Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. He has to. That's right. And so he has to He has to have people here that are going to follow him. And he does. You know, he's going to, he will, he will. Not really in this generation, though. But he will have a people that watch this. And they learn from this. Just like we will watch and learn, and and if this some of this will make us look at it and say, you know what, I need to stop doing what I'm doing. You know, there's a, there's a principle here though that's important. I think important for us to to grab onto. You've you've mentioned before that uh, you're first generation Christian. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm a first generation Christian. Okay, our children will be much better than us. Yeah, yeah. And it's because of things like this. Well, you I mean, can look you, at you can look at my sons. And my sons are already much better than I was when, when, where they are. And this is why it's so important as parents, people watching, grandparents, you know, you need to pass on the faith because because here's here's a first generation that God called. See, that's what Paul tells Timothy in Second Timothy. Yeah. He says, I'm, I'm confident. He said, I'm confident what I've what I've done. He said, I'm not he said, I'm I kind of counted pleasure to be suffering in these chains because he's gonna die. Mm-hmm. He knows he's going he knows that before he was under house arrest, he's not under house arrest. He's in change now. They're, they're gonna kill him. They're gonna cut his head off. You know, and he knows it. And he said, I'm fine with that. He said, but I need to leave somebody and you need to remember that you need to continue to spread this message. Yeah. 
You need to do that. And you need to find people that will carry it on after you. That's what he tells them in that text. That's right. And and we've talked about that in class, you know, that and we're going to talk about it some more. We're not finished talking about it. That it's our job to spread. And I talked to him the other day and asked him, I said, I said, you know, what responsibility do we have yeah. to teach the truth? Do we have a responsibility? Oh, yeah. You know, so anyway. Then comes next. Now his own family's going to turn on him. Not it's one thing for the nation to turn on him. But now his own brother and his own sister. When what we're getting to is we're we're getting going through all of these rebellions, mm-hmm. and we're going to see them fail. Right, the obligation on this side of the mountain, the obligation of being brought into the presence yep. of God, is yep. to trust Him mm-hmm. and to obey Him. And what we're going to see mm-hmm. is that they do not do that. Yep. They do not trust Him. They do not obey Him. And it's going to reach a crescendo with all of the rebellions. Mm-hmm. And we're going to think, well, God's got to punish them, yep. but He doesn't. Yeah. And that's and that's really the story of Numbers. The story yeah. of Numbers is, hey, now you're on this side of the mountain. Exodus, mm-hmm. you were on that side of the mountain. Numbers, you're on this side of the mountain. You're yeah. back in the presence of God. What do you do? Yeah. What do you choose? And what we find out is the law does not produce righteousness. No, it doesn't. You can know right from wrong all day long. It doesn't produce righteousness. Yeah. And that's really what we're supposed and to be And that learning. works today, too. Oh, yeah. You can know. Oh, you yeah. can say, I know God. I go to church. And I say this all the time. I tell people, tell people, I said, going to church on Sunday does not make you a righteous individual. No. And because because there are people out there that only go to church on Sunday and believe they're righteous because they only do that. That's not what God's calling us to. No. He says he calls us to a holy life. That's a different, there's a difference between just going to church and having a holy life. Yeah, but it says it this way in Matthew chapter 7, right? He says, all these people are going to come to me. Lord, Lord, did I not do all these things in your yep. name? Prophesy and preach yep. and pray. Yep. Did I do all the cast out demons in your name? Did I do all these things in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from we me. You practice lawlessness. To a to a focused relationship with the Son and the Father. And he gives us a helper to get us there. Mm-hmm. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together. I pray again that you will open and touch hearts, that people will listen and hear, and and the word will find good soil to sink deep into, to create what you envision it to create. Father, thank you for the opportunity. Bless us, Father, as we we learn from these people and learn what they did right and what they did wrong, and help us, Father, to be the people that your son died to make us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Yeah, man.